0: is it on welcome to the shark show with your hosts curtis josh mario and jordan Welcome to another edition of The Shot Show. You are joined by all four members. We have a full cast here. Coastal Carolina comes back to Conway with a victory. Listen, my prediction was wrong and it was right. We'll get into that a little bit later in the episode. However, Coastal Carolina wins. They didn't look spectacular in doing it. Aside from about the first 10 minutes of the game, the defense stepped up in key times and at key moments when they absolutely needed to. The offense put on a show for those first 10 minutes and then was pretty lackluster for the rest of it, but it was enough to get the job done. Josh, what are your initial takeaways from this trip to Huntington? Well,
1: first of all, he said we're going to get into it, but I'm going to get it right out in front of it. I'm going to give Curtis his props. I already have the click queued. I'm ready to play. it. Here it goes.
0: And that's going to be the key to this game. If Coastal Carolina gets up 21 to nothing in the first quarter, it's over. It's over. Nostradamus, right here, dude. Coastal
1: Carolina gets up twenty-one nothing, and guess what they do after that? They get outscored thirteen to three by Marshall. But it doesn't matter because they got up twenty-one nothing. Just like Curtis said, we make Marshall throw the ball. It's not what they're comfortable doing, and he meant that. I just want to put this out there that he meant that as just a twenty-one nothing, and then. We play the game out like normal. You didn't have to take it literally, get up 21-0, and then just leave for Boca Raton now. He meant you had to play the rest of the game, but you didn't do that. They didn't play the rest of the game except the defense. And we'll get into that, but this team has got to be the most confusing, frustrating, ridiculous team I've ever been a fan of, been a part of. One minute we think the offense is great no matter what, And the defense is terrible. And the next thing you know, the defense is stepping up and the offense shows up for 10 minutes and then taking the floaty tubes down the lazy river, headed to Boca Raton at halftime or end of the first quarter. I mean, when we said 21-0, it's over, we didn't literally mean you got to go home. But take it as you will. Coastal Carolina walks out with a W, just as Curtis said. We got up 21-0, the game was over. I was thinking about that when it happened. I didn't mean literally, but... That's exactly what happened. We made Marshall get off their game plan, and we walked away with the W because we won the first 10 minutes of the game. That's all that mattered. We we're 1-0 after that game, 4-1 in conference play now, and I will leave it at you with that. Jordan, go ahead, and I'm just dumbfounded yet again.
2: Yeah, it's, it's one of the weirdest games I think I've seen Coastal football play in a long time, just considering the fact that they got out to this 21-0 lead And they're looking like world beaters on offense. And then the defense is actually doing their part in the first half. We're getting, you know, three and outs. And then the second half starts. And then it's like, you know, even before going into the second half, it was like 21 to 10 going into halftime. And, you know, they get a field goal. And then, you know, shout out to Cade Hensley for us. You know, he hits that 27-yard field goal and puts it out of reach. But, man, I – I'm really, really nervous right now, guys. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Six six total points in the second half. We cannot play like that. We cannot play like that against any, any, any team that's in an elite category. If we play like that against App State next week, we're going to lose to App State. And I'm not saying that just to say it. I'm saying it because it's true. Because App State has proven time and time again that they have they have struggled at times during the season, but they can also get explosive at times as well so they have to continue to keep putting up the points. Defense props out to them. Like defense actually held their ground. We can't you know we we've, we've had times this season where we talk bad about this defense. The defense definitely stepped up this game. They took that loss against Old Dominion, and it's good to see them come back after two weeks of you know letting it sit in their head. They've come out and they played the way they did, only allowing 13 points against the. A, a Marshall team that can a- upset you. So it's um it's something I'm I'm glad the defense play like that. Hopefully they can continue the momentum into Thursday night. Um but it's got to figure it out. We can't just continue to score a certain amount of points in one half and then not score a touchdown in the second half. Like we were very fortunate to leave Huntington, West Virginia with a win. Um, it's it's something we got to improve on and we got to do it in four days and that's not easy to do. So I'm eager to see how this coaching staff and coach Chadwell, what they'll do come Thursday night when we play App state. Big robbery game, so we'll see what happens. But Mario, what do you what do you think about this? What's your
3: take on it? Honestly, I mean, you explained it best. You know, it's kind of a wild game, you know. We go up 21 nothing and I want to go back to one thing y'all said and I was hoping that y'all would be wrong on it, but you guys are right and I'm a little concerned. And it's the fact you guys mentioned it briefly, um, adjust my word, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys said um, if we end up getting ahead of Marshall by like a decent amount or whatever the case might be, or if we get ahead of Marshall and we we like attack first, we could make mistakes. But even if we make those mistakes, it wouldn't necessarily matter too much because you, you didn't think they would be like big enough for them to like come back come back and capitalize. Something like that, correct? If one, of you got, one of y'all correct me if I'm wrong. It was something along those lines. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's that's basically what was said. was like if Coastal can get out to a sizable early lead, the Coastal team that we know exists inside of there that's capable of mistakes and dumb penalties and whatever, <laughs> it won't matter because Marshall doesn't have the offense or the firepower to, to overcome that initial lead.
3: Okay, that's what I thought you all said, and that concerns me. And I wish y'all were wrong on that, but you guys were right. And the reason why that concerns me it's because I've been saying it millions and millions of times. Put your foot on the pedal, floor it, and don't stop. Go full speed in our game. And that's something that Coastal did not do after those first 10 minutes. It's something they could not do. Second, third, and fourth quarter offensively were atrocious. We had a sizable lead, and there were times where the defense was kind of slowly falling down the hill. Luckily, it was slow. it was for the defense at least. It was quick, and they were able to pick themselves back up somewhat. There were times when they got into the red zone. We talked about it. this defense is opportunistic, but usually this defense is like os- opportunistic when the game needs them the most. And I found that the defense was opportunistic in crucial times, but it wasn't times when the game needed to be decided. So there were times where they got important sacks, even though we were up by like by 10 there were times where we got um important stops even though we were up by a decent amount and that to me is that being opportunistic without it being towards the end and i want to give a shout out because all the sacks that that we had that game it came from guys that we don't hear a lot about like at all like we're talking about uh madison we're talking about parker hope we're talking about Griffin. Griffin had one and a half sacks. These guys really stepped up. These guys that we didn't think would step up. Whenever we talk about this team, we talk about guys like Josiah Stewart, Gerard Clark. We talk about guys like Lance Boykin and Jordan Strong. But in this game, as far as sacks, those guys stepped up, and these are guys we don't hear from a lot. So I'm, I am proud of them for that. Um, I thought Shane Bruce had a really good game, especially that scooping, that scoop that he had to kind of not seal it, but to put us in a very comfortable position. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm happy we got this win, but if this offense plays like this against App State, we're like, I'm going to be honest, it's going to be really hard for that defense to close out, but I don't see this offense playing like this a lot. So if we can get the offense that we're accustomed to seeing, and if we can get this defense, if this is the defense we're going to see in the second half, I'll put my money on us 10 out of 10 times, to be honest. But again, we don't know what we're going to see. This whole Sun Belt has Been an absolute mess. This team has been an absolute mess. Like it's been an absolute like roller coaster going up and down. So I don't know what we're gonna see. But I'm hoping that this is the defense we see from here on out. And I'm hoping that the offense that we've seen last night is not the offense that we're gonna see in the second half.
1: Yeah, and I just wanted to come on and say that usually we've been super critical on the defense the last couple of weeks, and we've been kind of giving the offense its praise and Whatever, no matter what happens, the offense is going to show up every week. But, I mean, we've got to be hard on this offense this week. Three points after the second quarter. And let's give the damn defense props. I mean, without the defense, we lose this game. 13 points allowed. A lot of times, Cam Fancher held them to about 50% completion. And that's because even when they weren't getting sacks, they got four of those. But even when they weren't, they were. this was the first game I've actually seen them get pressured. And the fact that it was a redshirt freshman quarterback kind of amplified that. And he was not able to make a lot of throws. There were a ton of throws. He dropped 10 yards short or overthrew a little bit. And we actually got pressure this game. The defense stepped up. They might have allowed a couple of drives. They allowed 70 yards in one drive. And then they got the turnover. And they got the turnover on downs. But the offense, I mean, we've got to be tough on them this week. Because you cannot show up and score three points after the first three drives And expect to be anybody. Defense, you stepped up. You played amazing, which we're not used to seeing. But whatever we've seen this entire season, the roles were definitely the first this week. Defense played amazing. Offense, I don't care. Take those three first quarter drives off the board. That was great. That was great play calling. After that, you did nothing. And if if you do that three quarters of the game, that shows me that it was just the script of the first couple drives that you had. And after that, you just had nothing, and you had no adjustments, and the juice was all gone after that. So let us I don't know how we're going to spin that, but that's definitely worth noting heading into next.
0: Football is a game of trickeration, but trickeration in a way that you force your opponent to honor one thing and then you hit them with another. This afternoon, I watched the Eagles blow out the Steelers. And the Eagles did it over and over again. They would run a wide receiver screen.
1: Go oh, birds.
0: <laughs> I knew you were going to get that in there. They would run a wide receiver screen, and they would get three, four yards out of it. But they would run it over and over and over again. Then they saw that the Steelers were in man coverage. They ran what looked like a screen, and they got Paschal up the sidelines on a wheel route, the guy that was supposed to be lead blocking for for the screen, caught it touchdown easy points because he's wide open the Steelers bit on the screen Coastal Carolina's offense didn't do that they didn't do those things they did for the first three drives but in a triple option offense your whole offense is based off of punch and counterpunch you show the halfback dive over and over and over again then that defensive end has to commit, and Grayson McCall can take it on the outside. You show wide receiver screen over and over again, and then eventually that safety has to come up into the box to stop it, and you hit him over the top. I worry that Coastal Carolina's offense just isn't counter like they should, especially in this game. They were pathetic after those first three drives. I mean... It's it's ridiculous. On third downs, they were 3 of 14 in this game. This is pitiful. You can't survive in a game against a competent opponent 3 of 14 on third downs. That has to be your moneymaker. You have to be at minimum 50%. And they're just not. And it worries me moving forward. I believe in number 10. Always have, always will. I'm starting to second guess the man with the headset on. Jordan, where are you with the offense and and more specifically, where are you with our offensive coordinator slash head coach, Jamie Chadwell, headed into the most important game of the season against App State?
2: Yeah, I I feel like this is going to be one of the most pivotal games of the season. Um, Outside of the bowl game, of course. This is going to... I want to see what kind of plays Jamie Chadwell is going to play against the Mountaineers because we all know what kind of a play caller he can be. We know what he, what kind of schemes he can, he can bring out. It's just, I just wonder how it's going to work against, you know, app state. Cause we know app state is going to come ready to play. Emotions are going to be running high. This game. This is a rivalry game. It was a close game last year. They won off of a, you know, last second field goal. And it's, a comp- it's going to be a competitive game, so I'm just curious to see what Coach Chadwell's got up his sleeve, what kind of plays he's going to run. But I think this is going to be one of the most pivotal games of the regular season, if not going into, you know, after this game, and the season ends, going to our bowl game because it's just you gotta you gotta wonder when it comes to a rivalry game. You know, everybody pulls out all the stops, and I just want to see what happens. But, um, you know, Coach Chadwell's point. Like Josh has said, like all of us have said, you know, he played – he he called a lot of great plays that first 10 minutes of the game. If he can just sustain that for the, the whole game, for the whole 48 minutes, we'll be in good – we'll be, like, all right. I feel like we'll be in a good position to get a W against – on Thursday night. I really do believe that. But I just wonder what's going to happen when it gets to a point where we get three and outs, we're not getting – the consistency of our offense, and you know, the more you s- the offense is on the sidelines, the colder they get. It's just that simple. We all know that when the offense gets going on offense, it's because they're scoring, they're moving, they're getting first downs. I just don't see that right now with the play calling. If we, if we call anything like we did no second the fourth quarter, we're not we're we're not gonna have a sustainable offense that's high. So I want to see how that's gonna change, but. Like you said, I believe in Grace McCall. I believe in everything that he does, him being the quarterback of this team. But play calling just got to change. Something's got to do. He's got to pull out all the stops. If it's one game he's got to do it, it's got to be this game. You know, just being being that simple.
0: Yeah, we we talked about how inefficient they were on third downs. But just overall, I mean, 271 yards of total offense – 3.9 yards per play. I mean, that's barely enough yardage to convert to get a first down. You know, it's like four yards every play sounds great, but in reality, it's not. I mean, they weren't moving the ball. They were, that number is boosted by an insane amount of, of long, you know, explosive plays in the first 10 minutes. And, Later on in this game, this offense just looked terrible. I mean, it's the same thing that's been happening all season. Will McDonald can't block a guy in a wheelchair. Like, the offensive line folded and collapsed, like they always do. And I don't know if Chadwell is just stubborn and just says, listen, it'll work eventually. I'm going to keep calling it or if he has the guts and the ability to make changes when he sees what's happening on the field. Mario, where are you with this offense right now?
3: Well, I mean, we've seen this, you know, against Marshall. We've seen this against ULM. So, for the most part, we've been a really good offense. And then there's been those two games where you kind of start questioning it. I'm going to be honest. Like, if I got to play devil's advocate here, so be it, because I'm not letting anybody off the hook for this offense. That game, Grayson McCall was not that great. last game, I'm being honest. Let me let me say it right now. He wasn't that great. Okay, I mean we're talking about 13 for 24, 121 yards and a touchdown. Okay, and then you go 11 carries for 12 yards, 1.1 yards per carry, and you had that one touchdown. Like what do you do? Like Josh said, take those three scores, take it off the board. You were great then, and then after that you did nothing. That goes for Grayson McCall too couldn't find nothing, couldn't get anything open. Now, again, was his offensive line great? Absolutely not. Towards that second and third and fourth quarter, they were atrocious. I was watching. I was like, "Oh, this man's like on the run for his life, which that has something to do with it. But Grayson McCall was not Grayson McCall this game, you know? And I mean, when you really look at it like individually as him, you know, you look at the rest of the QB landscape of the class of 2023, these guys are explosive. These guys are making big plays. When they're when there's games like this, do they have bad games? Sure, but most of the time they're going to step up. Chris McCall's in that category. You know, this could have had a bad game, but I don't know. I don't know. Again, we don't know if this is going to be the offense for the second half. We have no clue. As far So I hope I don't see this offense again. I hope this was one game. I hope that, you know, it was just a bad game offensively for this team. But I don't get how you go up 21 nothing and – all of a sudden, it changes like that. I don't understand it. Like, you made three very good, like, play-calling drives, and then this happens. And now all of a sudden, the offensive line can't block. All of a sudden, the wide receivers can't catch no dang balls. All of a sudden, we can't run it. We can't do anything offensively. I don't get it. It's it's weird. And I'm hoping that this is not the, the team. I've said it millions of times. You floor the pedal like you're Spongebob taking his driver's test, and you never stop and you never let go. Simple. Like, this is what I'm saying. I hate that you guys were correct about that because I was hoping that you weren't. I was hoping that all three of y'all were dead wrong, that even though you could slow down, we could slow down, it wouldn't matter. Yeah, we slowed down. Did it matter? No. But at the end of the day, if we do that same thing against App State, we're not winning. Offensively, we're not winning. And I don't know if defensively they can have a game like this again. I'm not sure. You know what I'm saying? We've talked about this. This is the, this is the toughest part of the schedule. The, the teams that we're playing, they're not easy teams. You know, and if this is the way we're gonna play, again that seven and five record might as well happen. I Hate to say, it, I'm I still believe y'all can go eleven and one. I'm sticking with that till you prove me wrong. But y'all have got to stop letting your foot off this pedal because it's getting annoying now. It is getting annoying now. This team reminds me exactly of the Minnesota Vikings. I'm being honest. It's a team that's six and one, but they barely get a fucking win. Like they barely get the win by like seven or eight points. This is exactly what fucking Coastal is. The team that gets is seven and one, but at the same time, they're barely edging it, you know. So, you know what? We gave the defense their flowers, you know. We criticized the offense pretty well, which is a shock because we usually don't do that. How about again? How about in the App State game, we give both sides the flowers? I don't think that's hard to do. So,
1: I, I wanted to attack this by saying that the first time, if you guys follow us on Twitter, you would know that the first quarter, me and Jordan were on, we were tweeting during the game. We were absolutely beaming with the play calls that we saw. They were getting the ball in the hands of Jared Brown. They were spreading it out. It was pretty even between the option, great runs, and passing. And it was looking it was looking like Jamie Chadwell kind of had a grip on this. But we haven't had a real great offensive game since October first. It's now November first is a couple of days away now, and that was a month ago where we had almost 500 yards of total offense against Georgia Southern. And we've had 28 points against ULM since then, 21 points against Old Dominion, 24 points against Marshall. We haven't had a good offense since that Georgia Southern game. And something that we did that you talked about, Curtis, before the game, we ran the ball 45 times in the game against Marshall. We ran it 42 times in the game against Old Dominion where we lost. And the last time we had a really good offense performance, we ran it 31 times against Georgia Southern. We've got to stop trying to establish the run so much to where it hurts us because that's what it did this game. We had like, what, like 2.5 yards per carry, something like mm-hmm. that. And it killed our play variety after the first three drives. And it just shows that – and I don't know if these guys can read a box score, but if we try to run the ball too much, it kills the rest of our offense and teams are able to key on it really easily. So until we stop trying to run the ball 40-plus times a game – we're not going to have an offensive performance above 400
0: yards. And that's just the way that I see it. So go on a thought experiment with me right now. Keep your answers simple, a sentence or two at most. When is Coastal's offense most dangerous? Who has the ball in their hands when Coastal's offense is most dangerous? There's an answer that I'm looking for here. I'm hoping you guys see the same things I do. We're going to go around the room. Josh, when is Coastal Carolina's offense most dangerous?
1: I think Coastal Carolina's offense is the most dangerous, undoubtedly, when the ball is in the hands of Jared Brown. And I don't think it's close. That kid can do it all. He can factor in the offensive game. He can do pitches. He can do drag routes, can turn into ADR touchdowns. And they've got to get it in his hands 20 times a game.
2: Yeah, I, I was going to say uh, Jared Brown as well. He's just that dynamic and explosive. I, I feel like he's really a big guy at wide receiver or whatever position they got him at. He plays so many positions, but Jared Brown for sure.
3: Yeah, I mean, I like that answer from you guys too. Grayson McCall to Jared Brown, it seems like a great connection. I think the other time we're most dangerous is when we're making the team second guess. And I think by doing that, you got to mix up the run and the pass equally. To make them guess what we're going to do. So I say those two things right there.
0: Yeah, I think Coastal Carolina's offense is most explosive when the ball is in Jared Brown's hands. That was the answer I was going for. I'm glad the two of you saw it. And Mario, you said it too. Guess how many touches Jared Brown had in this game? 11 total. And guess you know how many? many of
1: those were in the first 30 drives? Yeah.
0: Almost. Yeah. And you know who had more touches than him? Our backup quarterback, Bryce Carpenter, had 13 carries this game. Listen, we love Bryce Carpenter. and When he came into this game, he was semi-effective. Coastal Carolina's offense is great when the ball is in the hands of Jared Brown. We talked about this in our midseason report card, where Coastal Carolina has weapons and we're just not using them. We gave the wide receiving core unanimously an A grade. Some of us had A-plus, some of us had A-minus, but everyone was in the A's. 24 fucking pass attempts? Really? Really. I get it. C.J. Beasley has been a revelation. He came into the season as our fourth-string running back. There's a reason he was our fourth-string running back. Get the ball in the hands of your playmakers. And I understand our offensive line can't pass block to save their life. I get it. Run some rollout schemes, run some slants, run some screens, run some shit that gets the ball in the hands of one of the top playmakers in the Sun Belt. 45 rushing attempts, and yes, I know that number's skewed because Grayson McCall had to scramble a couple times. It's insanity at this point. It's like slamming your head against the wall over and over again every game. It doesn't make sense to me, and we're not going to win a lot of games by continuing down this path. Josh, you had something to add here.
1: Yeah, so not only do we mention Jared Brown, who is probably – or not, not probably – is our best playmaker – is the most explosive guy we have and really makes stuff happens when he has, has the ball. But I, I can't keep sitting here and not and wondering why Tyson Moeb, who is one of the, probably just as fast, if not faster than Jared Brown, it, very explosive, a hell of a slot guy, a guy that I was really looking to break out and have around a thousand yards and 10, at least 10 touchdowns this year, depending on how you use them. How does he get one rush attempt, which is a jet sweep, which is the way you should use him, but how does he get one rush attempt and one reception? He got two touches this game. He's one of the most explosive players on any field, anytime he's there, and he got two touches. That is, we have to use him more. Him and Jared Brown are one of the best one-two punches in the slot, and as a number two receiver, you have Sam Pinckney's your great number one receiver. He's the X guy, he's the big guy, the guy that's going to eat up your targets, be a good possession receiver. But Jared Brown and Tyson Mobley are two explosive slot slash middle outside guys that we have not used effectively all season other than Jared Brown a couple games. And when we do, we win and he has great games, but Tyson Mobley has got to have more than two touches in a game. Jared Brown, Use him like you use him the first three drives every freaking game. I just don't get it.
0: Yeah, listen, we, the, the struggles of this offense come back to the same thing that we've been harping on all season. It's the offensive line. They're terrible, they're pitiful, they're awful. I understand the hesitancy to run forvert concepts and flood concepts and these deep, long, you know, it takes forever for the wide receiver to get to their spot. You mentioned it there, why are we running a jet sweep every other drive? Why are we a running- drag
1: route concepts that yeah. two seconds in and
0: out. Why are we running, you know, a drag cross concept and, and get Jenkins, you know, running across the formation? He's he's a hell of a good tight end and we're not using him. Why are we not running reverses? And, and I get it, I, I'm not a big fan of trick plays and, you know, flea-flicker it twice and then throw it downfield. Like, we don't have the offensive line to run that. Why are we running a reverse every now and then, though? We have the athletes, and Jamie Chadwell's just not putting the ball in their hands. And again, I don't know if it's a trust thing. I don't know if it's a script thing. I don't know if it's just arrogance. And that's what's starting to worry me, is that it's arrogance. They think they're better than they are. Jamie Chadwell still thinks... That he's got um, Shamari Jones in the backfield. It doesn't. It's
1: CJ Marable, too.
0: Damn. Yeah. You don't got those guys no more. You don't even have Braden Bennett and Aaron Bedgood no more. Stop. Cut that shit out. Like, I'm done with it. I'm done with it. Mario, you had something to add here.
3: Right. Well, before I make my point, even, I, I've said it millions of times. I hate that little stupid pitch we do when Grayson McCall runs and he throws out the last second because I just think it's easy to, to stop. But going back to what you said about the whole jet sweeps and everything, how about instead of doing it to the same guy over and over again, which is your running back, how about we start doing it with the wide receivers, too? How about we create different looks and and let's scatter this offensive round and make it unpredictable? That's number one. And number two is when we did the first episode, we were like, oh, who do you think your breakout player is? I said Tyson Mobley. I said Tyson Mobley because I believe he is that guy. And and the sad thing is stuff like this is what makes guys transfer out of the university when these guys are capable, more than capable, of, you know, d- having these types of games and having great games and you don't let them. Guys like McDoom, these guys are going to leave the university if you don't use them right. And that doesn't mean, like, you know, give – less targets to Jared Brown or, like, give less to Sam Pickney. It doesn't mean any of that. But it means you've got to get these guys involved in the offense somehow, opposed to having them. McDoom, we we only see for probably returns. And I think last game, I don't even think I saw him return the ball. And then guys like Tyson Mobley, like you said, only two touches, That that's not going to slide. These guys are going to leave. They're going to find a university that's going to use them well, and they're going to perform well at those universities. So why do you want that? Make them perform well here. Use them in a way where they can play well here. It's as simple as that. Like, I just don't understand it, you know? This this offense, sometimes they're they're so predictable. And, and when I know damn well that they could be a less predictable, I don't get it. Like, they just do the same things over and over and over again. And I told my friend this. They're traditional. This is what we have, a traditional football team. They stick with what they know, and they never change it. Like Curtis said, God forbid if they will ever be changing. You know, that's exactly what they do. And my friend tried arguing with me that it was traditional. I'm like, look, this is a a traditional coaching staff and a traditional team. Simple as that. And you can tell because they do not change anything. So it's getting annoying at this point. Use these guys in a way where they're going to want to stay at this university. Because if you don't, they're going to leave. It's as simple as that.
2: Well, I hate to be the... Let me just say this. uh, All of our Sean Show listeners that reference Curtis just said that goes way back to last year <laughs> that goes back to the app state pod from last year. But, um, and we, we didn't expect to hear that. Um, Secondly, Mario, to your point, um, it's not a matter of them leaving. It's a matter of when they're going to leave because they're leaving regardless. This is their last year. I think all of the big time recruits, four stars and the three stars that we've been getting this i think this is the last year we're gonna get them because you gotta understand a lot's on the line at the end of the season coach chadwell could possibly leave rest could possibly leave to the nfl we don't know what's gonna happen um there's no guarantee that those guys will come back we kind of expected we knew coach chadwell was gonna come back last year he didn't know that Grayson was going to come back until after the Cure Bowl game. So it's not a matter of whiff, when. It's a matter. Of, it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Tyson Mobley was one of the top receivers we had last year. He's not getting any touches. He's not getting any touchdowns. And he's not getting any yardage. Jared Brown has pretty much taken his spot. I mean, I hate to be like that, and I hate to say it, but, you know, this was one of the guys that was one one of the big-time – Playmakers for us, and he's not even getting no more than – probably no more than five touches a game, if, if even that.
0: Not even that.
2: So, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's going to leave. Like, and all – and Matthew McDoom had that one big kickoff return against Gardner Webb. Hadn't heard much from him since then. It's not a matter of if they're going to leave. And, it's just, and it, we just got to – once you start seeing all the news notifications and stuff after the season, don't be surprised when you see it because – you got the talent here. You're just not using it. And if you want to win and you want to keep these guys here, you got to figure out a way to get them the ball. It's just that simple.
0: Well, and and I'll say two things real quickly. One, um, from personal, not personal experience, but I'm a Penn State fan. A couple years ago, Julian Fleming, he was a five-star recruit. He was the number one wide receiver in the country. And he got down to Penn State versus Ohio State. And he chose Ohio State. He's from Pennsylvania, Penn State lost the battle, and they lost, after he committed to Ohio State, they asked him, like, why did you choose Ohio State? And he went, look what Penn State's doing with their five-star wide receiver. The cycle before that, the, the year before that, Penn State landed the number one wide receiver in the country, in Justin Shorter, and didn't use him. Didn't throw him the ball, abused his talents, wouldn't give him anything. And Fleming left. He got the hell out of there. He said, I'm not going to Penn State. And Shorter ended up transferring out too. He ended up at Florida and has been a good receiver at Florida. You can't keep abusing the talent that you get and expecting more talent to roll in. It's not going to happen. And the other thing I wanted to say was I don't think that this coaching staff has the ability to self-scout. I don't think they're looking at what they're doing and seeing any issues. I think they're looking at seven and one and going, all right, cool, we're doing it right. And it scares me. Yeah, I,
1: I agree with literally everything you guys just said there. Although I did want to mention that Tyson Mobley only got seven touches all of last year. So he was not one of our top weapons but he was a guy that we did see promise out of last year and was a guy that was promised that his role would increase with the departure of Javion Hiley, Greg Latushko, Isaiah Likely, and his production has tripled technically as 21, 23 touches this year, seven last year. Here's the, here's, the And I hate to go back to Tyson Mobley again and again, but he's a hell of an athlete. He's a guy that could put up ridiculous numbers. I see it. His talent is off the charts. He has scored six touchdowns in his Coastal career on 30 touches. He is a 20% chance every single time he touches the ball. It's a touchdown. He scores a touchdown on 20% of his touches. And the fact that we haven't realized that and ramped up his targets and he's only getting two touches in this last game is ridiculous. I haven't seen a guy that 20% touchdown rate per touchdown. It's not attainable. It's not sustainable but he's a guy that, that showcases what his talent is. And the fact that, like you said, that's a guy that's going to leave. It's a guy that's going to get 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns somewhere else running all kinds of stuff where they unleash him. And we have – I don't want to say generational talent, but we've got ridiculous talent on this team yeah. that could explode in 15% touchdown ratio per target, and whatever. It's not that we don't have the talent. It's the fact that we don't know how to use it.
0: We said it coming into this season, this is the most talented roster Coastal Carolina has ever had.
1: It is.
0: Look back at 2020 and 2021. We lost almost no games in those two seasons, and this roster is more talented than that one, than those two. The other small little point I wanted to bring up is we burned McDoom's red shirt. For what? To throw him back there and watch the ball go over his head on every kickoff? That's it. That's so it. Why did you burn a red shirt to not freaking do anything with him? This is the one of the best athletes that's ever enrolled at Coastal Carolina.
1: That dude is a freak of nature. I've seen it. I got to be on the sidelines for that game against Old Dominion. That's a guy that was pissed. That's a guy that wants to win and that's a generational athlete right there, and they use him for kickoff.
0: Like, do something with him. And I get it, right? We, we praised this team at the beginning of the season about how it finally looked like Coastal had a meritocracy. One of our biggest complaints over the last two seasons, and I know it's hard to complain about, you know, back-to-back double-digit win seasons, but it was always based off of name. It didn't matter if you had a shitty game. You had the right last name, so you're starting next game. We thought, finally, that Coastal had a meritocracy. Well, that ain't right. Will McDonald's still the starting guard. Statistically speaking, he's the worst guard in college football. That's not just my personal opinion. His PFF grade, his wins above replacement all point to him being worthless worse than worthless he's a negative what's that guy doing on the field and it tells me right now it tells me right here that because across the back of his jersey it says mcdonald they're gonna keep rolling him out there jordan one last thing on this offense and then i do want to give some more praise to the defense before we get out of here
2: Well, yeah, I mean, and, you know, everybody in here has been talking about Tyson Mobley. What about Sam Pickney? You know, what about this guy? This guy's had some great games this year, yeah. But he's also had some games where he hasn't had much production either. Like, this guy is one of the most experienced guys we have on the receiving core. He came out of a team that really didn't have nothing and turned them into something, you know, at Georgia State. We need to try to figure out a way to get him the ball more. I mean, this guy only had one catch yet- yesterday for five yards. Unacceptable. We got to get him the ball as well. We can't always try to be one-dimensional. If we try to be one-dimensional, I promise you defense will understand what we're doing, and they will stop that. We can't always try to pick out one player. They know now, teams know now who we're trying to get the ball to, and it's Jared Brown. And it's, And it's really going to make us upset when – we got the talent, but we're not using it, like you said. Like Sam Pinkney has all the talent in the world to have over a thousand yards. He's he's got six hundred and twenty-eight yards, but we're not getting him the ball more. Like there are games this year. The most t- catches he's had this year is nine. This guy needs to have double-digit catches. Honestly, he should have every, at least five games right now where he should have the, where he should have had at least double-digit catches and double and triple-digit yardage. Yeah, well, and, then,
0: and not necessarily double-digit catches, but at least double-digit targets. That's what
2: I'm saying. Like, he's not – and the longest he's getting, he's not even – none of the passes that he's gotten this year, none of the catches he's gotten this year has been over 50 yards. The longest he's had this year was 38 yards. Come on. We got to – we can't – I promise you, if we keep trying to get the ball to Jared Brown, we will not win more, a lot more football games. Defenses will know what who our best player is, and they're going to shut him down. I'm telling you. And then when it comes time to give it to other guys, by that time, it's going to be too late. We're going to be like in the Old, dimension, old Dominion situation. We're going to be down going into the fourth quarter. And there's not a lot of time left. We got to try to get our the, these guys to play the ball. And and I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to have to do it and do it quick. But Sam Peaty's Peekney, we got to get him the ball too.
1: Like you said, the fact that this team tries to establish the run first when they have three or four of the top weapons in the entire country put together, that would make up the passing game. That's what's frustrating.
0: Yeah, it's it's extremely frustrating. Moving to the other side of the ball, um, this was a stellar performance from this defense. It was a performance that was wholly unexpected, Old Dominion ran all over Coastal, and we expected the same from Marshall. I mean, that's their whole offense. That's their whole game plan. And, yes, the offense scoring 21 points in the first, you know, 10 minutes helped force them out of their game plan. But even with that, this defense stepped up. Sure, there were some, you know, one-on-one matchups that Coastal wasn't, wasn't winning. We couldn't cover wide receiver number seven from Marshall. We just straight up couldn't. But, Jared Clark had a great game. This defensive line had a great game as a whole. Bruce coming back into the lineup made an immediate impact. JT Killen had a good game. The safeties had a good game. Jordan, this defense stepped up when it needed to, and it looks like the defense we thought we were going to have coming into this season for the first time in nearly eight weeks.
2: Yeah, and... You know, you pretty much said everything that needed to be said. I mean, this defense really just came in to its hole and, you know, came into this game a lot motivated because I feel like the defensive unit felt like that they let this the team down a couple weeks ago at homecoming against Old Dominion. So, really great performance. I mean, shame, Bruce, let me tell you guys something. This guy here, you know, 11 total t- tackles yesterday. And, you know, he, you know, just made an immediate impact. It was really great to see him have a great game. You know, Lance Boy game and coverage at times, at times he did, you know, have some, you know, open field tackles that saved some touchdowns, but he had a great game as well. You know, Gerard Clark really took it to heart. You know, he came into this game five, uh, four tackles, and, you know, just great to see him. Great to see this defensive unit just bounce back after you know, giving up the amount of points they did against Old Dominion. And, you know, this is good. This is one good thing I can say. I'm excited about this defense going into App State because a lot of these defensive players have had this game on Thursday night on their calendar for over a year. And they're ready. And they feel like that they're going to come back home, Brooks Stadium in that blackout. And they're going to – they feel like they're going to shut this App State Mountaineers offense down. So I'm eager to see how they do Thursday night. Um, Who knows? Maybe we might get the Black Swarm. We might get the Black Swarm back. You just never know. If they play like this and give uh, App State only 13 points, hold them to 13 points, hey, we might. We might need the Black Swarm. be might be back. I'm not giving Chad Staggs no credit now. I'm going to say that right now. I'm not giving him no credit. No. I'm not giving him no credit. I'm giving the players credit because the players are going out there and they're doing their thing. Chad Stagg still don't know nothing about an adjustment. This man, the adjustment not even in his vocabulary. Let me just say it to you like that. I'm not giving him no credit because it was only one game. But if he can do it consistently, then I'll probably give him a little bit more credit. But right now I'm not giving him no credit. This is all the players. It ain't him. And I'll just leave it at that.
0: Well, and we saw that this week too. With I mean, they, they were thrown to number seven on damn near every play we didn't double cover him. We didn't make an adjustment to shift the safety to his side. Nothing. Like, again, I think Staggs deserves a little bit of credit here. <laughs> I'm not going to go as far as you. But I think this was a good overall performance. And if, like you said, if they can keep it rolling, who knows? This Cincinnati lost this week. Tulane has to play Cincinnati at the end of the season. Coastal Carolina is... Near two back in the driver's position for the Cotton Bowl, Josh. This defensive performance was something that we weren't expecting. What do you think brought it about? What was the change that they made? What What did they do differently on that side of the ball? Was it just an attitude thing?
1: Yeah. So the the one thing I saw this week that was different in any game except Week One, literally that Army game was. It was the first little glimpse I saw of the DNA that made up the Black Swarm. They had a little bit of swagger. They were playing with confidence. The defense had each other's back. That was the most confident together group of defense that I've seen all season, literally all season. It was great to see they bended, but they didn't break. And that was because they were confident in what they could do, and they had each other's back. And I dare say Chad Staggs was fired up too. He was out there talking to his players, which is something we haven't seen. Like I'm telling you, we haven't seen it. And it's funny, you can tell that these NFL network broadcasters, the game, they obviously have not watched any coastal or martial football all year because number one, they couldn't say anything bad about Grayson McCall. That the, all their notes said no matter what the throw was, all their notes said was this, that this guy was incredible and that he was the next coming of Jesus Christ. So I did notice that they couldn't say anything bad about number 10. And then based on what they saw, they couldn't say anything bad about Chad Staggs. You would have thought Chad Staggs was the Bill O'Brien, the college days was Brett Venables. You would have thought that this guy was the greatest guy mind, defensive minds to ever touch a playbook based on the way they were calling it. But I definitely do think he deserves some credit. Whatever happened, they came out with energy. DeJordan Strong is now playing with confidence because he got that fumble recovery. You know, who punched that fumble out. Jacob Prochet, he's been stepping up and coming up huge. Lance Boykin had one of the greatest games that I've ever seen him have in terms of having a complete game. Even in zone coverage, he was coming up making tackles. He was coming up deflecting passes. He was a big body, made tackles. He was was great in that game. Uh, Adrian, hell, hell, even saved a touchdown on a fourth down or maybe it was a third down. I think it was a fourth down where he jumped and made a perfect timed pass breakup. The defense came together in this game. They showed out. They played with energy. And if we play that defense in App State, we're going to have a good game. And I don't know what they found, but the only difference was that to me was that it seemed that they came with an energy and a swagger that I hadn't seen since the Black Swarm days. And I really want that to.
3: Yeah, I think the biggest thing was definitely the attitude. You know, once you go two weeks with a loss like that and it like builds up inside you yeah your attitude is going to get a lot better you know you're going to want to get that win you're going to want to get back on the right track you know after having we talked about it having that loss was the it was in the best place that you could possibly have it you had it in a, in a week where you had to wait two more weeks to get it to you know to get back on track for me personally what I think it really is that we talk about it like Curtis has mentioned it even in this episode like the back you know the name on your back matters like, you know, you you got that name, you're gonna play. But I think personally, when I look at it, there were a lot of guys that we have not heard of this year that really stepped up and came in clutch. And I think that right there is a big part of it as well. Like, we're talking about guys like Josh Madison, we're talking about guys like the best Josiah on defense wasn't even Stewart. The best Josiah was Josiah Robinson. This man had six tackles. I never heard of these people. I'm being honest. Um, who wouldn't the second, like Griffin. I don't know who these guys are like, you know what I'm saying? But we know that these are the guys sitting on the bench that could be very good. They just don't get the playing time to show it. And you get, and I'll say this uh, coach Stag- uh, Stags really doesn't make adjustments, but you know what? He had to make some type of adjustment to get these guys in here. So I give him a little bit of credit on that. He had to make some type of adjustment to get these guys in here and for these guys to show up. Now, you know what, maybe there should be a lesson to him. How about you start making some changes how about you start actually putting these guys in the field that we know can play who just ride the bench because of guys in front of them who have a name. How about we let these guys get in more and how about we give offenses different looks and how about we be unpredictable? And I think that's exactly what happened in this game. We got all these young guys who we haven't seen come in and they I think those guys right there were the key reason why we were able to win this game. That's my opinion right there. Obviously, attitude is the biggest one, but if there's anything else that's a close second, I think it's that. And I think that's a lesson that they could take in: is start using these guys that we never heard of, start putting them in the games, put these guys into the fire. They're gonna make mistakes, sure, but put these guys into the fire because you know what? Iron shoppers iron. I believe that fully. And if these guys never get put into the fire, they ain't gonna be nothing. They're not. If you don't put these guys into the fire, you're never gonna become a diamond. They're never. You're not. They're never gonna be sculpted and molded into a diamond. Bad expression, I know, like, you know, but you get what I'm saying. Basically, put these young guys in, put them, you know, put them straight into the, the fire zone, and they're either going to, you know, they're going to rise or they're going to crumble.
2: Man, y'all are crazy as hell. This man, y'all talking about giving this man some credit. This man ain't done nothing. It's
3: been one game. Hold up. Hold no, 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 Look. Now, don't get me wrong. Does that mean this man should get like a raise or whatever? No. Like, you know, we gave Bill Durkin credit one week. You know, I gave. You Bill no, 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 no. You I did. did. I did. I'll, take, did. I'll take that. You I'll take did. You
0: had a really good week. Had a really don't good put that week. evil on me, Rick and Bobby. That Chad Stagg had a really
2: good week. That was Hold you, Mario. None of
1: us did that. that Chad Stagg had a really good
3: week. I'm no, hoping that no, you can no, tell, but
1: this. it does. And it's worth giving praise to something. This is what we want to see out of the defense. So. If Chad says to do this every week, this is what we want to see. Exactly.
2: If he doesn't do, if he has a horrible defensive scheme against Abstate, all y'all are going to be on the pod the following week and say y'all want him out. He ain't proved. I a never damn- said I
3: wanted him in or out. To be well, honest, I never said, said I wanted him anything. in.
1: Well, I'm
2: just
0: saying. But we
1: he- did not say that he did well this week. He stepped up yeah. and he did something he different than what we've seen proved- in the last three months. He ain't proved a damn thing
3: yet. We didn't say
2: he did though. We hey, just
1: came
3: to Me to me, he proved one thing. He proved that he is capable of making an adjustment. We want to see that more.
0: I wholeheartedly agree, disagree with that uh, statement, Mario. Hey, <laughs> look! A lot of young guys came in. They
3: performed, so okay, he made something. Okay, but I mean that's
0: not necessarily an adjustment. There it is. Put this guy in. It's just throwing more people at at the problem and hoping that something sticks. And luckily for him, it did.
3: Hey, might be the
0: end. I don't know, I don't know. But, a busy week ahead for the podcast. We have App State pregame, App State game on Thursday. Your boys will be making a guest appearance on an Appalachian State podcast this week. Pub Sports Talk, tune in to see that. And, out of the blue, winter sports are here. Basketball has their first game uh, on the 7th. Men's basketball, that is. So we will have a basketball season preview coming out this week as well. Uh, Not guaranteeing that that'll be out before the first game, but we'll have it out to you shortly. Um, A really interesting season that's going to be happening uh, over there in the HTC Center. Looking forward to uh, all the content we're going to be pumping out to you guys this week. Stay tuned in. Follow us on social medias. Um, Check out the shop. That's going to be the pinned tweet. Uh, We're going to have a link to our shop there we're also going to have it in our bio uh, on instagram that merch will be changing over uh we had specific t-shirts and hoodies and designs for the appalachian state game we're now going to transition into just you know support the show type stuff uh our logo our brand our sort of thing on a hoodie t-shirt we're going to come up with some fun cool designs Uh, i am begging the guys for a full-size fire cliff ellis shirt If you buy one... Here, we always call for, like, on social media. We're like, oh, tell us your player of the game. Tell us... If you would buy a Cliff Ellis t-shirt, like the tweet where where Josh puts out the tweet of this episode. Every like, comment on there, I would buy that shirt. Because I need to prove to these guys that the fan base isn't happy with Cliff Ellis. Alright? That's what it is. But... With that, I go ahead and sign us off. Again, we will see you guys real soon this week. As always, shots up.